You're listening to Comedy Central. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out, that story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. What's your top score on Wordle? What's Wordle? What's Wordle? Oh, ho, ho, ho. Someone has a life. <laughs> What's Wordle, he says. Yeah, Wordle is this game you play online. It's not an app. You have to go online to play it, and you guess a word, and then it's a five-letter word, and it's simple words, and everyone is playing it, and you only get, like, six attempts or five attempts to find the word, and everyone loves it, because you, just, you can only play it once a day, and you're done, and then that's it. And it's like the most popular thing ever for a variety of reasons. One, I think it helps that it's five letter words. Cause like a lot of the time with word games, they just there to make you feel stupid. Do you know what I mean? Cause you'll be like a seven letter word to describe bad. Hmm. Hmm, baddest. Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city in America. It's The Daily Show, ears edition. Tonight, Australian clothes for Djokovic. CDC's new guidelines and Dr. Bernice King. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and joining me for today's headlines is my very good friend, Michael Costa. What's going on, Michael? How you doing? Hey, Trevor. I'm just trying to stick to my New Year's resolutions. I'm trying to read upside down more, so. The purpose being? Well, you know, I keep getting these upside down books in the mail. And uh, I don't know if it's supply chain or Amazon. So I just figured instead of throwing them out, just learn how to read them. So, you know what, Michael? Yep. I wish the world had more people like you. In a lot it. of people would have just thrown the books away, but I'm challenging myself to read upside down. I love that. I knew that you would get it. Yeah, you just see the world in a completely different way. I guess I could also flip it, but then I'd have to read it. Then, I'd ha- then I would have to go upside down. It's easier for me to do it like that. You know, sometimes I wonder how this pandemic has gone on this long. Yeah. Because there are people like you in the world, and I'm like, how haven't we solved it already? Thank you so much, dude. Yes, that's exactly right. Yes. My man, good to have you. I'm going to read, well, just read a little bit. You go, you go ahead. Okay. You go ahead. All right, while he's doing that, let's jump right into today's headlines. We begin with the big news from the world of sports. And no, I'm not talking about all the great NFL playoff games over the weekend. I mean, I've always said, man, the most exciting games are the ones that are over in the first quarter. No, I'm talking about Novak Djokovic, the Serbian tennis star whose name is worth up to 140 points in Scrabble. This is supposed to have been a big week for Djokovic, 
But like my dream of starring in the biopic of Weird Al, it wasn't meant to be. The Australian Open got underway Monday without the world's number one ranked male tennis player. Novak Djokovic returned to his native Serbia after being deported from Australia for not being vaccinated against COVID. The Australian government said it cancelled his visa because Djokovic's presence could lead to an increase in anti-vaccination sentiment and even civil unrest. Australia requires everyone entering the country to be vaccinated or have a medical exemption. Djokovic had an exemption because of a a recent COVID infection, but it sparked outrage in Australia, apparently prompting the government to act. An opinion poll yesterday showed 71% of Australians wanted Djokovic deported. Damn. It says a lot about you when that many Australians think you're too dangerous to be in their country. I mean, this is the country whose health minister is a giant poisonous spider. Oh, I get things done. And Australia is the last country you want to get deported from. I mean, imagine, imagine stepping off a 25-hour flight and then immediately having to get on another 25-hour flight. Like, I don't know what Djokovic thinks is in the vaccine, but it can't possibly be worse than breathing in farts for 50 hours straight. But then again, it's not that surprising that Djokovic would be against the vaccine. Keep in mind that this is a man who says he knows that he has a gluten intolerance. And this is completely true because he's physically weaker if he's holding a slice of bread. Yeah, so gluten works like kryptonite for him. You think COVID is scary, but Djokovic could die just walking past a bakery. Oh, a bone pain. I will say, as hard as it is to sympathize with Djokovic, it is a little disturbing that the Australian government allowed him in, then deported him just because they changed their minds. I mean, if a government can arbitrarily deport an athlete, what's to stop them from deporting a whole team? And how can we get it to be the New York Jets? Yeah. And also, I love how the Australian government is proclaiming that there's some health component to this, as if, I mean, you've been to Australia. It's not exactly the healthiest culture. They eat terrible food. They drink exuberant amounts of beer. A Bloomin' Onion has like 40,000 calories, Trevor. And you're going to kick this guy out of the tennis tournament and you still haven't kicked out the stingray that killed Steve Irwin? You know what I mean? <laughs> And I can relate to Novak Djokovic because I've been kicked out of a bunch of Outback Steakhouses and same as Novak, they said it was an issue with my visa. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> yeah. I stand with you. What's a guy got to do to be allowed to play the tournament? Nine-time champion, three-time defending champion, world number one, tied all-time for Grand Slam. Uh, what do you got to do, Trevor? Get vaccinated? Yep. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some technology news. Arguably, the most important tech breakthrough of the last few years has been 5G. And there are a lot of crazy conspiracy theories you might have heard, like 5G causes cancer or autism, or it's a mind control tool. I mean, a few weeks ago, it was actually going around that when they turned on 5G, anyone who had gotten the COVID vaccine was gonna explode. This is a thing people believe, which is ridiculous. I mean, I have 5G on my phone and I turned it on before we came out here and look, nothing happens, you see? But it turns out, not everyone who has concerns... Anyway, it turns out not everyone who has concerns about 5G wears a tin hat. 
This morning, the major airlines warning of a possible catastrophic aviation crisis beginning in less than 24 hours when AT&T and Verizon are set to launch new, stronger 5G technology, which would give faster wireless service. The concern, whether 5G signals could interfere with radio altimeters. That's a device pilots use telling them how far they are from the ground and helping them land in poor visibility. Executives from airlines including American, Delta, United and Southwest urging U.S. officials to keep new, stronger 5G signals at least two miles away from U.S. airports, saying in a letter, immediate intervention is needed to avoid significant operational disruption. To be blunt, the nation's commerce will grind to a halt. One union saying its pilots are prepared to ground their planes if the FAA doesn't act. Yeah, but how will they know how to ground their planes if there's 5G? Just me? (laughs) Okay, look, look. I'm not saying the airlines are making this up. I'm not saying that. But we all remember how they said the same thing about regular cell phones for 20 years, right? Yeah? Remember how terrified they had us? Everyone, airplane mortal, this plane could crash. One time I forgot to turn off my phone and then the plane hit turbulence and I looked at my phone and I was like, ah, shit, this was me. I'm sorry, everybody, I'm sorry. So anyway, I don't think the airlines are gonna win this fight. And honestly, even if it's true this time, if it's true, If you tell people that they can download a movie in a few seconds, but there's a slight chance it'll crash a plane, pretty sure people are gonna be like, yeah, it's it's worth it. I'll take that chance. Fast downloads. Also, how is this my problem? I mean, you want me to take on the cell phone company industry and the airline industry, right? You knew 5G was coming. It comes after 4G. You know what's after 5G, Trevor? 6G. How high you want me to go? You know, I, you're asking me to take on the airlines, a place where I can't even get a full can of Coke, or I can't even change my middle seat. This is not my problem. But you know what? We'll crash together, my yes, friends. I love that. That's what friendship's all about. Yeah, I love that. All right, let's make all our moms happy and go to church with this next story. Have you ever seen a pastor who worked a little too hard to keep the congregation's attention? Well, one pastor in Oklahoma, well, he uh, just outdid them all. It tells a church leader facing criticism for smearing his spit on a man's face during a sermon. It happened over the weekend. Gross. So many people talking about this on social media yesterday. Pastor Michael Todd of Transformation Church in Bixby was giving a sermon on Sunday about how to, quote, receive God's vision can be nasty, he said. I just bought my dream car. And now you're going to ask me to sell it back? and ride in the hoopty again? Yeah, because the vision I'm about to give you, it might get nasty. Well, the pastor says while he was trying to make a point in his sermon on Sunday, he realizes that he crossed the line and the guy on stage, that was his brother. How is COVID still spreading in America? We're doing everything right, huh? We're doing everything right. Look, I know it looks nasty, but I will say this pastor's point that God might ask you to do stuff that other people don't like, he's not wrong. Yeah, all these people who are like, God doesn't want you to wipe your nasty spit on people. Yo, somewhere Abraham is like, yo, he told me to kill my damn son. 
I wish he just wanted me to spit on him. You know how much therapy me and my kid had to go to after that? Shit was never the same. The pastor's just trying to say, sometimes God will give you a message that may throw you off, like phlegm in your face. And you know the fact that that was his brother that he was doing that to, for me, that makes it even worse. Because now it feels like he just uses the scriptures to mess with his sibling. And God sent a great flood. And to show you what that flood looked like, I'm gonna stick my brother's hand in some warm water while he sleeps. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I see this as a beautiful expression of spirituality. Costa, what are, you, what are you talking about? This is disgusting. It's gross. Okay, phew. I honestly, I didn't want to say anything because it's a black church, but what the fuck is going on, dude? Huh? Is this what, is this what black church is all about? No, it's not. That's why it's disgusting. I mean, that being said, it's not as bad as what happens at white church. But you're right about it, when religion was invented, they were doing some dark shit. They were. And it kind of shows how sensitive we are now. Yeah. A little spit on the face from your brother. I mean, my brother used to pin me down and drink orange juice and then do the, 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 the you know what that is? No, I don't know He'd what this do is. Do the spit down to the face and then yo-yo it back up. I'm sorry, I what? didn't realize my brother was just presenting me with scripture at the time. <laughs> you didn't do that? <laughs> no. Maybe it's just my brother. Did you know he was doing this when he was drinking the orange juice? I, Did you know it was coming? Sometimes, that was, that was so tricky. Half the time he was just having some breakfast orange juice. And the other time he was getting ready to kick the shit out of me. So. That's trauma, Costa. Yeah, that's trauma, yeah. And uh, you know, he's probably watching. And I'm on to you, dude, and, and I, don't, I don't, you know, I guess you won, because here I am crying on TV about it. We're gonna talk about this in the break. Yeah, please. We, we're, gonna, we're gonna fix this. All right, when we come back, we'll tell you why you're wearing the wrong mask and how to get the right mask and why that mask is also wrong. So stay tuned. Because you see, your brother can't, oh, yeah. is that, no, no, go, go I ahead. I was just, re- just trying to keep reading upside down. You, you go ahead, man. Yeah. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the internet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? But there's way more to this story than that. The Dress went viral in early 2015, marking one of the last months that the internet could still be fun. It was just before Trump declared his candidacy for president and polarized and already polarized internet. It was just shy of people deciding what went viral instead of algorithms. And it was just shy of celebrities realizing that they should never, ever tweet. It's more than a character of the day. It's an entire moment in time bottled in a little, well, either blue and black or white and gold package. I'm not relitigating it again. You cannot make it. And that's just one story. We've got a million. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me. Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Daily Show. 
We are now entering year 50 of the coronavirus pandemic, and dealing with life in a pandemic has been a struggle for a lot of people. Small business owners, teachers, and of course, people with a chin fetish. But one group that's having a tougher time than you'd expect is the CDC. So let's catch up with all the latest in another edition of Keeping Up With Corona. From the beginning of this pandemic, the CDC has tried to give clear, simple guidelines to the public. And from the beginning, they have mostly failed. I mean, do you remember their mask chart? Shit looked like a traffic light had an aneurysm. And look, I'm not saying that telling 300 million people how to behave during a global pandemic is easy, but it also doesn't seem like the CDC is getting any better at it. The CDC has updated its guidance on masks. According to the agency, cloth masks do not protect against the virus as effectively as other masks. Saying any mask is better than none, but masks that fit well, like N95s, offer the best protection. The agency stopping short of urging all Americans to upgrade their masks, drawing immediate criticism from some health experts. You know, the approach that the CDC has taken right now with masking, I think, just adds to the confusion. We should be making it loud and clear that the N95 respirators are really the only thing that will really protect you. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. If cloth masks don't protect you, then tell people they need to wear a better mask. What's this? Well, it doesn't really work, but, but it's, it's fine, it's fine. I mean, in that case, I might as well wear a T-shirt with a seatbelt drawn on it instead of an actual seatbelt. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a seatbelt, doesn't protect me, but <laughs> I mean, apparently that's enough, right? The thing I really don't understand is, now that we know cloth masks don't work, who are the people who are still wearing them? Huh? Because look, we've pretty much got two teams, yeah? You've got the people who are scared of COVID, and they're running around looking like Bane, and then you've got people who think COVID is total bullshit, so they refuse to wear a mask altogether. And I don't agree with them, but at least they stand by their beliefs and they don't care if those beliefs end up killing their coworkers in the Supreme Court. But a cloth mask is just wishy-washy. Like, you either want to protect yourself or you don't. You can't just the tip the coronavirus. Come on, people. It's like someone being like, yeah, yeah, yeah I wear condoms, but uh, only if they're made like a doily. I buy my condoms on Etsy. At the same time, though, this does suck. I mean, we spent two years building up a whole wardrobe of cloth masks. You know, I had masks for every situation. I had my work mask, I had my weekend mask, I had my masks for going to funerals, I had my masks for going to weddings. It's too bad. Now, if you wore a cloth mask because the CDC was kind of okay with it and you got infected with COVID, well, the CDC also has some new guidelines for how long you should isolate from other people. And it turns out those guidelines are weird as hell. At the same time, the CDC finds itself facing backlash over some of its other recommendations concerning how long those who have tested positive for COVID should isolate and whether a negative test should be required to end that isolation. The CDC says the infected can end isolation if fever-free just five days after a positive test when a study of infections in the NBA suggests more than a third are probably still infectious. Ending isolation at day five should include a negative rapid antigen test, tweeted one of the researchers. Why do all the work to identify infections if we are going to just let them go back to work while still potentially infectious? Yeah, that's a great point. These CDC guidelines could be sending people back to work while they are still contagious. It's like the CDC is trying to turn every office 
into the CDC office. Look, if we have to work alongside deadly viruses every day, then so do you. Why would you do that? Why would you test and then still let the person go? Imagine if the TSA had that philosophy. Just like, pat you down. Ah, is that a gun? Yeah. All right, go on. Now, to be fair, to be fair, Dr. Fauci says that these new rules are an attempt to keep the most infectious people at home while also getting essential workers back to work faster. Because let's face it, basically everyone has Omicron right now. And if people don't have to be in isolation as long, then hopefully hospitals can bring back nurses faster. You know, hopefully schools can bring back teachers and the NBA teams can stop signing sweaty dads that they found at the local YMCA. But even after you come out of your much shorter isolation, the CDC has some pretty weird expectations of what you should be doing next. Part of the guidance we recently got from the CDC was what to do after five days of isolation. Uh, once you're out and you have no more symptoms, they say these are the people you should stay away from after you end your COVID five-day isolation. People who are overweight, battling depression, current or former smokers, and pregnant people. That's nearly nine out of 10 people. <laughs> Yo, guys. <laughs> Yo, the CDC is crazy, people. You can come out of isolation as long as you don't interact with basically any other person. You realize you're describing isolation. And look, I understand. I understand that the CDC wants to protect vulnerable populations, but this is a legit minefield. I mean, you know what's not gonna help depressed people? Everyone's staying away from them. Not to mention, we're supposed to stay away from overweight people? You know, the CDC's gonna get people canceled. Cause now you're gonna be like, hey, I can't hang out with you for a few days. And they're gonna be like, why not? Uh... Honestly, it sounds like the CDC is trying to describe a very specific person, but just doesn't want to call them out. That's what it seems like. They don't want to embarrass them. Stay away from a former smoker who's pregnant, whose hair is curly, but everybody knows is actually a perm, and she's really into pandas, even though she's never been to China. Her name rhymes with Bamantha. And look, I know that a lot of this confusion is because the virus itself is confusing. I understand that. It's constantly changing. We're learning new things, and it's hard to keep up. It's like trying to stay on top of TikTok trends. You're like, okay, I finally learned the I ain't ever been with a baddie dance. And TikTok is like, no, we're doing Encanto memes now. But it absolutely does not help when the people who have to explain what to do in response to the virus answer like this. At what point does the administration say, you know what, this strategy isn't working. We're gonna change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing and that time is every day. It is time for us to do what we have been doing and that time is every day? How does that sound so familiar? Oracle, when will it be done? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Now look, Kamala's point was that the administration doesn't need a new plan because we already have a way out of this pandemic, which is everyone getting vaccinated, but it should be obvious by now that hoping everyone gets vaxxed isn't enough, which is why the Biden administration is rolling out a new plan to get everyone in America an at-home COVID test just as soon as the Omicron wave is over. 
Just into the CNN newsroom, the website where you can order free COVID-19 at-home tests from the government is up and running. The site was quietly launched today. We just checked. It does work. Go to www.covidtests.gov, and that's where you can order your test. At this point, you can order four per household, and we're told that they'll ship within seven to 12 days of ordering, about a week to a week and a half. So let's say you go online, and tomorrow you place an order on Wednesday the 19th. They should be on their way to you by the end of the month. Okay, okay, look, I mean, it's great that tests are finally gonna be available to everyone, but seven to 12 days? You don't think that's a little too long in a pandemic? I mean, every day is precious. Every single day is precious in the pandemic. If anyone should know that, it's Joe Biden. You know, I can't help but think that if America just took a military approach to COVID, this testing thing would be solved like that. Because there's no delays when it comes to the American military. America doesn't need bombs and then start building them. America always has bombs ready to go. If America wants to drone someone, no one is like, okay, we can place the order now and then we wait seven to 12 days unless there's a holiday. Then in that case, no, it's just boom. That terrorist is gone, baby. What? It was just a family? Well, boom, they're still gone. I stand by my boom. If America was that proactive when it comes to pandemics, we would have all gotten these tests months before Omicron even got here. Although, to be honest with you, I don't even know if I trust at-home tests. We're just gonna test ourselves for antigens? Is that before or after we mess up the directions on an Easy Mac? So look, I know a lot of people are frustrated with the government right now, and they're depressed that this pandemic seems to never end. Like, when are we going back to normal life? When can we go to work and hang out with friends like we used to? When is The Daily Show going back to having an audience? You got me, Trevor. You don't count! It's all a mess. But the good news is, the good news is, it won't be a mess much longer because people, if we just keep doing what we've been doing, then it'll be time to keep doing it every day until it's time. All right, when we come back, Dr. Bernice King will join us to talk about the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. You don't wanna miss it. I'm sorry, Costa, I was a little, I just, yeah, I, I just, I'm sorry, man. I, I should, I, I lost it, I'm sorry. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take the dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the internet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? But there's way more to this story than that. The dress went viral in early 2015, marking one of the last months that the internet could still be fun. It was just before Trump declared his candidacy for president and polarized and already polarized internet. It was just shy of people deciding what went viral instead of algorithms. And it was just shy of celebrities realizing that they should never, ever tweet. It's more than a character of the day. It's an entire moment in time bottled in a little, well, either blue and black or white and gold package. I'm not relitigating it again. You cannot make it. And that's just one story. We've got a million. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. 
Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is Dr. Bernice A. King. She's the daughter of civil rights leaders Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King. She's here to talk about advancing the legacy of her parents through her work as the CEO of the King Center. Dr. Bernice King, welcome to The Daily Show. Thank you, I am so honored to be here. Um, let me start by saying happy belated uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, I've, I've seldom seen a holiday that seems to be celebrated by as many different people in as many different ways as I have seen with MLK Day in America. And as the daughter of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., I'd love to know what you feel MLK Day should be about. Well, I try to capture it in three ways. It's a time to educate, advocate, and activate. And mm. people fall under, you know, each one of those in different ways. Uh, some, t some people use this as a time to, you know, advance the teachings of Dr. King. And then some people advocate. There are many issues that are, we are faced with in, in this nation um, that people are concerned about, and they use that time to raise their voices, to advocate for issues and groups of people, in fact. And then activate. How do we capture the holiday under one massive theme and focus? And it became about a day of service. So we started touting a day on, not a day off. In your lifetime, you saw your father go from, from being one of the most hated men in America to now being one of the most beloved men in America. But ironically, almost not because he's changed, but because people have changed what he stood for. Hmm. That's an interesting insight. Trevor, I never heard it put that way. Wow. Yeah, because we have an affinity for, for, for dead and deceased leaders. Uh, they're more comfortable when they're no longer with us because they are not able to, you know, influence the masses in the same way. You know, it's kind of like good and evil. When you have something that's so powerful and revolutionary like that, you know, people do want to kind of find the easy, comfortable part of it. Right. Um, and, and I agree with you that that, that has happened. Um, and, and, and that's why we have to continue to be uh, resolute in teaching the whole king. <laughs> I think there's no escaping the fact that his whole essence cannot be spoken about without speaking about your mother, Coretta Scott King. What do, you, what do you wish people knew about the work that she was doing to help fight for civil rights in America? In many ways, I think she was much more um, advanced um, you know, uh, than my father morally, uh, and in terms of her um, insight, she gave him a lot of, you said, sounding board feedback when he would prepare his messages and, and sermons. Um, but probably one of the most important ways is when it was, uh, when he spoke out against the Vietnam War in 1967. You know, um, everybody turned against him, literally. The black leaders of Earth, and NAACP, Urban League, they all turned against him because they felt that we had made so much progress on the civil rights front from the Johnson administration that we need to kind of, you know, you know, you know, be careful right, at this point that we don't alienate. Yeah. And so um, my mom said, Martin, we could really use your moral authority and voice. I mean, look. When you say he's the most hated and now one of the most loved, what I say to people is the reason all of 
what we know about Dr. King at the level that we know it um, and why we can't seem to <laughs> shake him is because she she immediately went to work two wow. and a half months afterward, a grieving widow with four little children. She had this tremendous call to continue their work. And she was very strategic in everything she did. Um, it's, it's, it's like, to me, that's why I call her the architect of the King legacy. Wow. Because she really provided a blueprint for how we must continue to remember Dr. King and his teachings. And in no uncertain terms, she was insistent that we understood those teachings. You see some of the opponents of, of voting rights using your father's words in their defense or, or using it on a day to say, I'm pro Martin Luther King Jr. And then almost, you know, ignoring um, his teachings on, on what he believed in. You're looking at a country that right now is considering getting rid of the filibuster. How do you grapple with the idea of the filibuster, where voting rights needs to go in America, and the risk of not having a filibuster in a country where power goes back and forth the entire time? Yeah, you know, I've had mixed feelings about it. I mean, I've, I've tweeted out about, you know, doing away with it, but, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing because the filibuster is neutral as we know it. It's how it's used that makes it uh, something for good or for bad. Mm -hmm. We would not be a democracy if we did not have voting rights. And I agree with the Republicans in the sense that we should make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. But how that looks is different, mm. you know? Um, and that's what we need to be talking more about. So it's it's kind of hypocritical to me um, uh, to say we shouldn't set aside this filibuster and just at this point vote on what the majority says for something that's fundamental to everybody. So you got to weigh, you know, the workaround, you know, like with uh, Kirsten Cinema and right um, and 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 Manson saying, you know, the, you know, the poisonous aspect of our democracy, and we have to stop what you just said, the back and forth. I actually agree, we do have to do that. But at, at the price is what we're looking at. The price of them getting back in charge and saying, okay, you did this, so we're gonna do this now right, to y'all and right. run to Boston. Or the damage of millions of people being disenfranchised. That's what we're looking at. Yeah, is, no, I, I, I hear you. And it, and, and it, is yeah. a, it, is a, it is a dilemma. And again, funny enough, I think that's something that your father doesn't get credited enough with is how much strategy he had to put into the movement, how strategic he had to can, be in can, thinking can, about. Can you, can, you say, can you say that again? Because that's what's <laughs> missing today. Before I let you go, I wanted to talk uh, about some of the work that you've been doing recently um, in spreading some, some, some really wonderful messages. You know, many people know you, you, you have a fantastic new book out talking about love and it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful experience. Yes, there it is. It starts with yes, me. that's it. And it's a, it's a really wonderful story of a young girl who's going out there and changing the world in, 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 you know, in her expression of love and, and, and doing things right. whilst also, you know, loving people, not just sitting back. Um, but you're also the CEO of the King Center and you, you've done something really revolutionary and, and, and different for an organization in that you've moved a lot of your lessons and a lot of the ideas about nonviolence online. Talk me through that a little bit if you don't mind. We found a way to kind of uh, 
develop an online experience that is reflective of what we do in person. So nonviolence for us is a love-centered way of thinking, uh, engaging, speaking, and acting that brings about uh, personal, cultural, and societal transformation. Daddy said, and I have a dream. It's a part that most people miss in his speech. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. He was talking about how we talk to, you know, words are powerful. In my Christian tradition, we say death and life and the power of the tongue. You can murder somebody with your tongue. So when people say I'm not violent because they don't do anything physically, it's not confined to that. We clear mm. that up even in this, this online experience. For some reason, people think love is something like this, you know, manby, pamby, weak kind of thing. <laughs> no, it, it, it's not. What love does is it makes sure that you are always trying to elevate the situation and even the person. So I try to participate in that part of the, the struggle. And that's what nonviolence, you know, really represents. And I think if we get to that place, we can have these hard conversations, but I like to I like to talk to people in a way where their defenses come down. I love that. I'm learning how to listen because that's a nonviolent, you know, um, uh, um, tool as well. Listen, as my friend John Bryan of Operation Hope would say, listen without being defensive, and speak, talk without being offensive. Thank you so much for continuing to share not just uh, your father's legacy, but your mother's as well. And, uh, you know, a story that has changed the nation forever. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Don't forget, people, Dr. King's book, It Starts With Me, is available right now. For more information on the King Center's Nonviolence 365 online classes, visit the website below. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the internet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? But there's way more to this story than that. The dress went viral in early 2015, marking one of the last months that the internet could still be fun. It was just before Trump declared his candidacy for president and polarized and already polarized internet. It was just shy of people deciding what went viral instead of algorithms. And it was just shy of celebrities realizing that they should never, ever tweet. It's more than a character of the day. It's an entire moment in time bottled in a little, well, either blue and black or white and gold package. I'm not relitigating it again. You cannot make it. And that's just one story. We've got a million. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, 
If you liked what you heard from Dr. Bernice King tonight, then consider supporting the King Center. The King Center is dedicated to educating the world on the life and teachings of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and to inspiring new generations to carry forward his unfinished work. If you can help support his vision, please donate at the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, cloth masks are not for COVID protection. They're just for robbing banks. Be safe. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out... That story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I told you imaginary friends are real. This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Haley Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.